0: Welcome to Pregnancy Tribe. We're here to help mamas and those who support them prepare for pregnancy, get ready for birth, and step into motherhood.
1: Howdy Tribe!
0: Howdy do! It's Dr. Eva in the house.
1: And Dr. Joe. Or maybe in the barn?
0: Maybe in the barn. I said howdy. That's true. We're hanging in the barn today, the birth barn.
1: Birth barn. Oh, that's, a, that's a good that's one. That's a good one.
0: Today we are talking about birth and not maybe in the way you think. This is something that happens before birth and it's something that comes up a lot during birth histories. When I'm talking to a mama, when they come, they're they coming into our office and we're talking about either their desires for their birth or their experience so far in their pregnancy and I can't tell you how many times I hear moms say that their provider in some way, shape, or form has either suggested or asserted that their pelvis is just too small to push out a baby right. or that their baby is just too big for them to push out of their pelvis. And I hear this from moms of all shapes and sizes, literally, from petite women, from big-boned women, it seems as if this, this statement is just being made regardless of mom's size and circumstance. So two situations I think we can kind of categorize in which this comes up. One is during pregnancy, and oftentimes it'll be during an ultrasound. So just last week, for example, we had a first-time mom come in, and she said that the ultrasound tech very casually was like, whoa, you got a big baby in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you think you're going to push this thing out vaginally? Kind of eye roll and good luck, right? A little bit of a sarcastic thing. Uh, The second way that it came up was also with a pregnant mom now pregnant with her second child who had a C-section, an emergency C-section with her first baby. And she had labored for like 36 hours. And essentially she just sort of stopped dilating. She stopped progressing. And when they went in to take her in for the C-section, someone in the room, mom doesn't even know who, made some comment that she'll never forget, even though she doesn't even know who said it. Ugh, you know what? Good, you know, good thing this, We got this baby out no wonder you know your hips wouldn't have been able to push this baby out your hips are just too small and now mom wants to have a vaginal birth for her second baby but she has extreme doubts about her body's ability to push out a baby at all because she says you know what i remember they told me my pelvis was probably too small what makes me think i can push out this baby vaginally
1: right and before we go into like the real meat and potatoes of this we we, i have to do this little disclaimer which is that these podcasts, this information, this is not about creating isolation in the birth world. This is not about separating the moms that want to have a natural birth versus the ones that want to have all the interventions or moms that want to have an epidural or want to plan a cesarean. Really what this is about is creating empowered human beings. And all too often in the birth world and in all other avenues of life, but especially in the birth world, moms get kind of pinballed around. They get pushed around and told one thing by a provider that sets off a, a sequence of maybe actual things that happen or just mental doubt or things and just avenues that they go down where it creates a disempowerment. And what we hope to provide, both Dr. Eva and I, is that we can see a generation of moms that make empowered decisions, whether that be that, hey, I actively want to choose this because this is what's best for me and my family, and that may be a cesarean. That may be a all-natural birth in a tub. That might be a, hey, I'm going to try labor for a little bit, but I'm going to have that epidural just in case I need it. Whatever it is, we want moms to feel that power that they can achieve when they've made a decision that resonates with them at their core, not their provider, not their support person, not anybody else in the world, only that mom is what matters because that influence is not just that birth, it influences every event that happens after that, how they choose to raise that baby how they then teach their child about their body and their health and their ability to do certain things so it's something that seems so small and oh what i mean power of suggestion or you know a little bit of doubt here or there how could that really change the course of somebody's life it absolutely can and what we hope at these podcasts is that a mom a partner a family can get enough information to where they can look themselves in the mirror and go that's the decision i want to make whatever it is knowing that it gets met with no judgment here only that we're proud of you for making something that brings you closer to where you want to be
0: i love that so beautiful and and to to kind of bring it back to this issue in particular i mean dr joe's talking about this is really about the way you feel about yourself which is going to inform the way that you navigate decisions in birth in motherhood being told that your pelvis is too small right being given a belief about your body that doubt can turn into fear, right? In the body. Well, now I'm fearful. My pelvis is too small. My baby's too big. So now as labor starts to initiate, I have the subconscious belief that causes me fear and tension, right? If I'm fearful, I'm going to be more tense. And if I'm more tense, I'm going to hold the baby in, right? You can't really be in a state of opening and trusting. If subconsciously I'm like, Ooh, the farther, the doubt, the farther down baby gets, oh, I know this is going to be a big baby. This can't happen. Oh, squeeze, right? So there is this subconscious connection to the way that labor progresses. And so we want to kind of break this this whole concept of baby being you know too big, pelvis being too small, into two issues, because that really is what it is, right? One is that the pelvis itself is too small, which is sort of an issue with the mom, right? And the second component to this is baby size. Baby's too big, right? So oftentimes we're kind of talking about one in relation to the other but the assumption being made is that that neither one of those sizes are flexible so it's almost like we're assuming that the pelvis is like a pipe right you can picture like a circular pipe that pipe has a certain diameter you can measure the pipe and say all right this is this is 10 inches wide then maybe let's say you have a ball a ball that you want to stuff through the pipe for some reason who knows why you're trying to put the ball through the pipe, but. Let's say you measure the diameter of the ball and the ball is, let's just say, 11 inches. Well, you can look at that scenario and say, I cannot get this ball that is 11 inches through this pipe that is 10 inches in diameter. Um, And that's a false assumption because the size of the pelvis nor the size of baby is fixed. Both are fluid. Both are dynamic.
1: Right. So I'll talk a little bit more about the pelvis itself. So again, a kind of a little disclaimer here. Are there situations that the pelvis is truly not able to birth a baby through the birth canal, of course, but those situations are super duper rare. I'll give you an example. Let's say a mama is going through her pregnancy and you know something terrible happens, like she gets in a really gnarly car wreck, okay? Maybe she's got a fractured pelvis and she's maybe already midway through or later into her pregnancy the ability for her to handle the stressors, not only of pregnancy, but then of labor and delivery, probably gonna be too much for that injured pelvis. So that is a perfect situation where a doctor could look at that mom and say, you know what, I know you may have been planning X, Y, or Z, but we gotta get this baby out through the belly because we won't be able to birth it. Again, very, very rare, but can happen. Another situation where a mom has some sort of congenital disease, something that she was born with that changes the structure of her body, maybe the bone density, something to where she truly is unable to handle the challenges of labor. And that's something that that woman would know already going into her pregnancy, right? Maybe it's a severe, severe scoliosis where there's really, really, really gnarly angle changes and things have just completely shifted into a way that won't be able to uh, to adapt, allow that baby to come through. Um, but like I said, those are things that the mom will know going in. This does not apply to your average person, your average woman who's going to, you know, go through this experience, so this is a challenge with a lot of statistics that get thrown around or a lot of provider' certainty about certain things is that when you look at just the general populate population, you've got so many different situations. Yes, you could have a woman come into your labor and delivery room who was just in a car accident. We got to get that baby out because that mom's not going to be able to handle labor. You might also have a mom that walks in that's been doing yoga her entire pregnancy and is super healthy and super well and is really, really fit. And maybe she doesn't wanna have a birth you know naturally. Or what I'm trying to say is you can have any really range of the spectrum come through. So when a provider tells you, hey, this is the way it's gotta be, what you have to do is be able to filter that information through, does this provider understand who I am and what I've done with my body and what I've done with my health and what I've been through. And also do you understand too, right? Because sometimes women are blissfully, you know, you know, kind of unaware of what they've been through and other times, which really more applicable is that, you know, where you've been better than anybody else. And most often, more often than not, You've got what it takes and you fall into a population that is healthy and uncomplicated. And if you do have comorbidities or certain challenges, those are going to come up. And oftentimes those can also be safely monitored and managed with a provider that's willing to work with you. Not every single comorbidity throws you into the category of this person won't be able to handle labor. Therefore, we have to do a planned induction and a planned cesarean.
0: And and isn't it true, Dr. Joe, too, that like the, this idea of the pelvic size and you're explaining all these conditions that can go into whether or not the pelvis can withstand the stresses of labor, like is there even any way for a provider to definitively say, let's say again in a situation of a healthy mom that the pelvis can't get to a size where they can fit the baby through because doesn't the pelvis literally expand during labor?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a dynamic structure. It moves, it grooves, it responds to position, it responds to stressors, it responds to gravity and all of those things so brilliantly designed by your body are what's built in to enable that baby to come through regardless of size. But a mom's, pelvis can change up to really 30% more room depending on positioning, but it doesn't depend on positioning.
0: That's a lot,
1: 30%? 30%, which is a huge amount. So these numbers where they're measuring the, the size of a woman's pelvis, even sometimes, but just by simply looking at her, it's so, so lacking. And it really, really then again, ties into the disempowering subject where we're not giving women and people the confidence in their bodies to trust that for most people, this is a completely safe, natural, normal, healthy, uncomplicated, and not that risky process.
0: So, not only does mom's pelvis expand in labor as baby is descending and rotating and eventually extending through the birth canal, baby's head, right? This is the second component of this. It's like baby's size and shape changes to get through the birth canal. So, Baby's head is responding to mom's pelvis and mom's pelvis is responding to baby's head as baby is navigating the birth canal. So a lot of people know, right, you know that your baby has little soft spots, right? Those little soft, and some, some moms come in and they're so like creeped out by it, right? But (laughs) Baby has soft spots. And we know that really there's, there's a, there's a function for that. There's a reason for that, right? We know that baby's skull bones are not fully formed at birth. And reason number one for that is that nothing is set in stone because the brain is going to be expanding so rapidly during the first two years of life that it makes sense for the the bones to be able to expand along with the rapid growth of the brain in a way that is safe and facilitates optimal development. The second reason is that baby's head bones are designed to overlap on top of one another it's a process called cranial molding right have you ever seen a picture of or maybe you had this with one of your children where baby comes out and it's kind of like a cone head right it reminds me of the movie cone heads i know you
1: didn't like that that like
0: i know that 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 was a
1: scarring movie that
0: and mars attacks are like the two 90s movies that just they just don't sit well
1: right right i don't blame you freaked me out anyways yeah
0: So we got little baby cone head, right? Um, and then you know that with time, obviously, baby doesn't stay that way. The bones start to settle in and take their shape. But that's an example, right, of of a baby being in the birth canal for a long, long time. Obviously, those bones are moldable, and it's so that baby's head can fit through the birth canal. So we've got now this flexible pelvis and this flexible head that are that are now reliant more on the position of baby and the position of mom to encourage labor. So. So baby's head, right? The reason why it's important for baby to be head down during labor is because the pressure of their skull against mom's cervix. And the more that it can be like straight down direct pressure, the easier it is going to be for mom to dilate, right? It's the pressure of baby's head that encourages cervical dilation. So this is why it's important to set mom up for optimal positioning during and throughout her labor and why it's also really important throughout pregnancy to work towards baby being in a face-down position when it's time for birth, knowing that during labor, baby can still move in and out of various positions. So again, baby's position is never fixed if there's enough available space in mama's pelvis. And we wanna talk about how to do that, how to set yourself up and for your, and your baby up for success navigating this intricate dance together during your pregnancy, wherever you're at starting right now. So there are three action steps we're gonna talk about you want to talk about the first most important thing that mamas can do?
1: First one's my favorite. It's what I love and what we get to do all day, every day, which is a mom needs a prenatal chiropractor. Amen. Regardless of a mother's pain level, chiropractic care benefits her body tremendously throughout the pregnancy, as she goes into labor and delivery, and then recovery and setting herself up for maybe subsequent pregnancies or just rocking motherhood. So really from a basic standpoint, most most people associate chiropractors with like alignment issues. So from a pelvic standpoint, we want to make sure that the pelvis is aligned so that we don't create those asymmetries, those imbalances where maybe baby doesn't feel as comfortable or doesn't find the optimal spot. But really what that translates into, because again, the pelvis is not just something that's stuck in stone. We need pelvic... Dynamics. We need biomechanics that can move and can groove, not only in a pain-free range of motion, not only without being limited by scar tissue or muscle tightness or different things that can accumulate from a mother's journey through life, whether that was childhood sports that she played or from sitting at work or from previous pregnancies and deliveries. It's really about making sure that that pelvis can do what it needs to do in the optimal way Allowing mom to be in her power state and baby to find best position and to be able to move and groove through the canal. But the next layer deeper that I really feel like is why every person, but also every pregnant mama needs chiropractic care, is how chiropractic care influences the nervous system. The nervous system is the brain and how it connects to and controls every aspect of your health, from uterine contractions to how your heart beats, to how you breathe air, to how you handle your emotions and your sleep and your stress. And when a mom's nervous system is clear and connected, she functions better. And then that influences all the things from how she sleeps to how she manages and copes to stress throughout her pregnancy. But really where I see a huge X factor is during the different stages of labor. If the nervous system is clear, connected, adaptable, and resilient, her body can move beautifully through the stages of labor. Uh, Labor doesn't stall out. uh, Dilation doesn't stall out. And things progress as planned. But if her nervous system is interfered with or disconnected or irritated or not able to handle the stresses of life before pregnancy and then the stresses of being in the labor room, her body's gonna shift into the sympathetic nervous system, which is what some people call fight or flight. The other thing I like to call it, it's like the the mode you use when you're about to fight a bear okay this is not the mode you want to be in when you're birthing a baby
0: this is not the revenant
1: this is not (laughs) (laughs) yeah you do you are not leonardo Leonardo dicaprio you do not want to fight this bear But the body's really smart, and if it goes, if there's a bear in the room, I am not going to birth my beautiful baby into that room. So why don't I take care of that threat first, and then maybe I'll talk about dilation. So this is really where a lot of women are like, I don't know why I stalled out. I was progressing great. Everything was moving and grooving. And then all of a sudden, I just kept getting checked, and they're like, nope, not progressing, not dilating, not, dil- not dilating. And that is a product of a nervous system that isn't perceiving the internal and external environment as a safe place to progress and to move through and bring that beautiful baby into the world
0: wow wow we wow yeah
1: i love prenatal chiropractic and
0: you know what else like so many moms that come into us like we are such a important part of their support system right like your prenatal chiropractor may be the only one advocating for you right and supporting you in the type of birth that you want to have right and believing in your body and help you connect to that
1: that's the most important thing because it's not really again this is not about just advocating for natural birth this is advocating for a person a woman a child to trust their body to recognize its power to recognize its beauty to recognize how to support it and that's what chiropractors do so well at
0: heck yeah baby what's Um, number two number two is mindful movement throughout your pregnancy Mm. we talked a little bit about you mentioned at some point in that in that previous rant that was beautiful about like what happened i blacked (laughs) out sitting in a desk chair like thinking about the position that your body's in all day long and throughout the day, and how often are you compressing or torquing your pelvis? How often are you like lounging on the couch and essentially you know, encouraging baby to go into more of a posterior position? There are things we do with our body mindfully that either set us up for better baby positioning or detract from that. So a couple tangible steps that we often tell moms is, obviously focus on your setup. If you're someone that's sitting at the computer a lot, You might want to replace your chair with something that is more ergonomic, like a kneeling chair or simply sitting on a birth ball. Same rule applies for when you're just chilling out on the couch, watching TV, rather than reclining on the sofa, sitting cross-legged on the ground, or again, sitting on a birth ball, doing some hip circles, keeping your pelvis mobile. Um, Stretching, right? Getting into a good routine. The cat-cow stretch is one of our favorite stretches derived from yoga to be done throughout your pregnancy. Doing prenatal yoga doing things like pilates that are gentle that are lengthening that are stretching that are breathing those are all things that are going to increase space in your pelvis and most importantly are going to increase your mobility right because we talked about those pelvic biomechanics and how important that is
1: yeah number 3 this is this is an interesting one because the whole term birth plan is like is a very polarizing thing because some women are like Birth plan. I had a plan, and then I actually went to labor, and I freaking scrapped it, and that was a waste of my time to do. And other people are like, "Oh my gosh, without my plan, I would have, you know, not been able to navigate those waters." So I don't like using the term birth plan. I like birth preferences because this is something that you can talk about in a very dynamic and fluid way with yourself, with your partner, with your provider, and it doesn't have to be locked into this is how this is how it's got to be it's really, I prefer this or I prefer that, or I prefer not to have this or that. So really where it comes down to is what do you want and what are your birth preferences? And is freedom of movement something that you're gonna even be able to have, okay? Here's a couple of situations, you know, movement during labor is really important for pain management. It's one of the best ways that you can naturally manage your discomfort and help labor progress. Not only by moving your body so you can kind of work out that that tension and that discomfort, but then to help baby navigate through gravity like Dr. Eva was mentioning and moving through so that that motion can help bring baby lower and lower and lower to the canal. However, you need to figure out is freedom of movement something that A, you care about, B, that you're even able to do? So depending on your birth site, if you're at a specific hospital, let's say, they might have a policy where this says women cannot get out of bed, okay? Or they might have it more subtly disguised as, yeah, we allow freedom of movement, but every mama has to have an electronic fetal monitor on her, which restricts movement and therefore she can't move. The other thing is recognizing, do you wanna have an epidural? If you have an epidural, your chances of being able to have freedom of movement are pretty darn small and that's okay. You just need to know and be aware of that going into it. Now, if you are confined to the bed, sometimes you're still able to move within the bed, not just be on your back, but be able to roll to your side or even squat on the bed or just even turn a little bit this way or that way. Even subtle movement can help with comfort and help facilitate that baby coming through. But this is something that you need to explore way before you get into labor and delivery, which is how do I feel about these certain things? Where do I feel about the pain management and where am I allowed to express movement? Is it through the hallways or is it just in the bed or is it maybe just in my mind?
0: And although, of course, freedom of movement would be, you know, our best case scenario for mom, if you're planning for one of those scenarios or you are choosing because of your own informed choice um, to have an intervention that would require you to be essentially confined to the bed, um, maybe that's also an opportunity to make sure that you labor at home for as long as possible. Because when you're at home, you do have freedom of movement. And if you can encourage as much of that labor to progress while you're able to squat, to kneel on all fours, while you're able to you know, walk while you're able to move your body however the heck you choose to, um, that is going to increase the likelihood of labor progressing as beautifully as it can. Stay home in your zone as long as humanly possible before heading to the hospital.
1: If Stay if, home if in you the know, zone.
0: If you know that's gonna be part of your birth preferences, not, not birth plan. Um, and, and, and really who you have on your birth team, this ties into the birth preferences, really does make a difference. We have this incredible mom who we've been taking care of throughout her pregnancy. And I wanted to share the story with you because, because to me it really exemplifies a lot of this and kind of ties it together in a tangible way. Um, she actually planned a home birth with a midwife who she interviewed and really felt comfortable with. And um, sure, sure and steady labor was happening. Things were progressing well. Um, but at some point along the process, baby was stuck in her pelvis and she had, quote unquote, a big baby, right? Baby was actually, I want to say eight plus pounds. Yeah, let's
1: call it eight plus.
0: Eight plus. And um, because she had a midwife that was supportive of her body and her body's capabilities, rather than saying, oh my gosh, labor's not going to progress, baby's stuck, baby's simply too big to fit through your pelvis, Um, you know, let's put a kibosh on this vaginal birth, let's transfer to the hospital, whatever number of things could have happened the midwife knew and trusted that if we can just get mom into a different position, we can utilize gravity to help baby get unstuck and to help baby move through the canal. So the midwife put her into a position actually from Spinning Babies, which is a website that we really love, um, put her into a side-lying release position, which essentially utilized gravity to create more space in the pelvis, to relax the muscles of the pelvic floor. And sure enough, baby was able to finished the descent and mom was able to push baby out through her vagina. And, you know, it's just such a beautiful thing because when we're recapping this, this experience with the mom, and I really love to recap, you know, sharing feelings, I think it's important to process the birth experience because it can be emotionally traumatic, whether it's a home birth or a hospital birth, whether things went according to your preferences or not. So we're debriefing and, and she was just saying that she was so grateful that she, that not only did she have that belief in her body, that she knew her body was capable of pushing out her baby, but that everyone on her support team, her midwife, and, her midwife and her doula supported that as well. It's so important, right? You just think about all the myriad of different outcomes that could have happened if people on that team had a different underlying belief about her body's capabilities and or if they didn't have the awareness of how to use gravity to get you know, to facilitate things, which is truly one of the most powerful tools we have during labor, utilizing gravity through movement to facilitate this beautiful process. So speaking of having people that are on your team that believe in your body, let us be that for y'all. Pregnancy tribe, this is what we want for you. We want you to not only understand the choices that you have as you navigate pregnancy and birth, but we want to be the people that are cheering you on. We would love to hear your stories. If you've been told that your baby's too big, that your pelvis is too small, Why don't you hop on our private Facebook group and share some of those stories. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Pregnancy Tribe. We would love to talk it out. We'd love to share. We'd love to support. Um, We'd love to be here for you.
1: You know what I'd love to know? What? What does kibosh mean?
0: Put the kibosh.
1: Put the kibosh. It's
0: like when you're... They can't see my hand gesture. I'm doing the little... You know? Where you kind of... It's
1: kibosh it.
0: What was this? What's this gesture? It's, Where you uh, act like you're kind of like slicing underneath your neck? Yeah, you know, put I the kabosh.
1: Let's not too get. Let's not get too morbid about it. But <laughs> kibosh it. I've never heard of it. You heard it first on the pregnancy tripod. We're gonna
0: we're gonna put the kabosh. We're, we're gonna put the kabosh on this episode, guys. We'll, we'll see it. We'll see you next time.
1: <laughs> Peace out, tribe.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want more, join our private Facebook group at facebook.com groups slash pregnancy tribe. You can also check us out on Instagram at pregnancy tribe.